Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at The Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. Well, you ready for the word this morning? I want you to turn with me to the book of Jonah, to the book of Jonah. And the Lord dropped a, a passage in my heart uh, a couple days ago. I was seeking the Lord, and a, I thought I was going uh, to tie into last week and come back into it this week. But there's just a few things I want to say as you're turning there uh, connected to last week. And maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. But there's a scripture out of Isaiah chapter 37. It says that, that the time for children to be born is now, but it's a day. Of, of, of rebuke. It's a day of, of, of uh, uh, blasphemy. It's a day uh, of just trouble. It's a troubling day. And I don't know if you know like I do, but you look out in the world today and, and it's a troubling day. I mean, there's a lot of trouble. There's a lot of reason for the church and the earth to be rebuked. Come on, somebody. There's a lot of blasphemy. Maybe not blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that everybody runs right to, but a lot of times we just deny and reject the Lord as a nation. As, as families, as church, there's so much that is going on that is troubling. And it said it came time for the children to birth a new generation. And there was no strength to do it. And that was really the emphasis that I wanted to get to. There was no strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, to keep your eyes on Jesus as we sang this morning, that's where you get your strength. But strength also represents support. And I think as a church, we believe strongly in raising up another generation. We believe strongly in, in, in discipling and equipping and, and sending and releasing people into the ministry. And you could be a big part of that. You could be a big part of that in your prayer life because prayer brings power. Prayer brings strength. Prayer of agreement releases the power of God. Power is a, is a sense of strength a sense of strength to be able to bring forth. You can, you can be a part of that in praying and choosing. And in a few weeks, you're going to meet all the students in both of the schools of, the, of discipleship and the school of ministry. And you're going to get a chance to sign up to be their intercessor for the year, to be somebody who's praying for them on a regular basis and, and having, you might pick two or three because you feel like your prayer life can expand to that. So that's going to be a chance that you can help bring the strength to birth this next generation. Another way that you can get involved is, is you can contribute. You can sow into. They have a, a pantry pounding uh, that's taking place or bring groceries there to help feed them. Uh, you can set up and establish an atmosphere like that. You can get engaged. Sometimes if, if you're pushing a car that ran out of fuel, and anybody ever been there, you're pushing a car that ran out of fuel, it always helps when that one person jumps out and they get in and they start pushing with you, right? And they start moving in that direction. Momentum picks up. You can jump in and just be a part of their life by encouraging them. That's a spiritual gift. You encourage their spirit to keep going, to stay the course, to finish, to, uh, to believe what God has promised and whatever it may be. You can also contribute. How many of y'all know that, that finances can give you a greater sense of power, a power to purchase, right? Isn't it amazing the person uh, that has more money can get it cheaper? It's, it's the weirdest thing, right? It's the, come on somebody. Somebody's like, I've never heard anybody else said that, but I think about that all day long. But you can sow in to them. You, you can sow on a monthly basis, maybe $25 a month, maybe $50. We'll be setting that up out front also that you can be a part of that. We need to sow into and we need to give seed into the harvest to come. 
We've had over 100 students come through the school. And, and they're living for Jesus and they're serving the Lord. And some of them have great plans that are getting ready to even to unfold here in the very near future. But you can be a part of that. That's what it takes to birth a generation. It takes strength. You just like you need a prayer partner. You need somebody to come alongside you. Just like when you're working, you need somebody to help you get done things there. We need to do the same thing uh, for our lives. Amen. And for the lives of those. Are you ready for the word this morning? I want to encourage you to get involved in that aspect. If you have a Bible, take it out, would you? Okay. Take it out. Put your finger right there in that Jonah passage, uh, chapter two, and say this with me. This is my Bible. It was written for me. God had me in mind. And it's for my correction. It's for my direction. It's for my soon coming resurrection. Oh Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I had some time this week to walk and just spend some time with the Lord, and I got to involved with some, uh, uh, listening to a couple messages, and a gentleman shared a story about a, an elderly saint in the church, and this elderly saint was coming to her closing days of life, and, and so he went to visit her and to read from her own Bible to read to her in his closing days. What a sweet moment, right? What a comforting moment, I'm sure. But as he was reading and reading it over, he kept seeing the letter T, and then the letter P, and then the letter P, and the letter T and, and kept seeing T's and P's everywhere in the Bible. Finally, he stopped and she just has a few days left to live. And he says, he said, I'm sorry, but I have to ask you. I have to ask you. I'm reading from your Bible and it's so marked up. And what are the T's and the P's? What are the T's? And she said, tried and proven. Tried and proven. Friends, my life got rocked. Something shifted on the inside of me. When was the last time you tried a verse? When was the last time you tried the word of God? You tried a promise. You tried a prophecy. You tried something there. And when was the last time you gave him the praise and you said, proven, proven, he's there. I want you to know the word of God is as good to you and for you as it is for her and as it was for Jesus. And anybody who's in the Bible, anybody who's ever preached it, anybody who's ever owned one, let it be to me according to your word. The word of God is good for you. The word of God is needful for you. If you will feed on the word of God, your spiritual man will grow. If you don't, it won't. And it won't just not grow, it'll start to shrink. But if all you feed is your natural man, if all you feed is your flesh, it'll grow and grow and grow and grow. But you don't feed your spirit. Your, fit, your natural man will become stronger and make decisions instead of your spirit man. The word of God is the bread of life. It's the bread of life. The spirit of God is the fresh drink of the presence of God. I want to encourage you to be hungry for God. I want to encourage you to be thirsty for God. I want to encourage you to have your own personal hunger, your own personal thirst for the Lord, and to go after him with anything and everything that you have and try it. Remember that cereal called life? You'll like it. I'm telling you, you will like it if you try it. And you'll find that it's been proven through generations. He is faithful, amen. I can't help but uh, go back to something in worship that I'd never seen before. If, if you and I have known each other for a while, if you've sat under any of my teaching or preaching, you know that, that, that sometimes I'll take a word and just kind of move the letters around and they'll make something out of the word. And I saw the word veil. And I thought, oh my goodness, his veil... It's what takes away my evil. My flesh, my veil is evil. His veil is holiness. My veil is prison. His veil is freedom. 
And he ripped it. He ripped it wide open spiritually and physically. Shed blood, release the spirit so that you and I can live freedom. We can live peace. We can live in joy. We can live in victory. Come on, somebody. His veil made a way for you and me. And I'm thankful for that. And I hope that you find that in your worship, that you start to leave yourself and enter into who he is. Get out of your flesh. Amen. This morning, I want to share a message, and I'll entitle it, Out of the Belly. I'm going to read from Jonah, chapter 2, actually picking up in chapter 1 and verse 17, and it reads as such, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. And out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. And the water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. And I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Can you for a moment hear the jail cell clicking close forever? Yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you. In your holy temple, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. You may not feel like praising them, but you ought to go ahead and do it. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. You know, our salvation is free, but our vows cost us something. Verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish. Come on, somebody. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Can I take you back to my worship for a moment? My wife started patting me on the back, kneeing me on the side. You see, he can turn graves into gardens. He can turn seas and armies. He can turn a big fish into a launching pad. It's time to get out of the belly. Last week, we talked about the belly. We talked about a woman in labor needing to travail to bring forth and to birth another generation. There's good bellies and there's bad bellies. There's bellies of life and there's bellies of death. There's a belly that a lot of people are stuck in. Maybe you didn't have a good mama. Maybe you didn't have a good daddy. Maybe you didn't have a good week. You haven't had a good year. Maybe life hasn't been good. Maybe you're living in chaos. Maybe you're living in trouble. Maybe you're in the midst of a storm. Maybe you're in a stinking situation. Maybe you're in debt. Maybe you're in disease. I don't know what you're in right now, but I'm here to tell you we can call upon a God who can pull you out of the belly of all that stinks and all that sounds like the prison of eternity. I don't know your situation, but aren't you tired of trying to do it on your own? 
Aren't you tired of, of having to one more time try to take it and, and, and take from Peter to give it to Paul, to take it from here, to give it to there, to do this so you don't have to do that? Aren't you ready to be launched out into your freedom? Now, you may say, well, you're picking a strange story because I know that story. I do too. I've read it a hundred times. I've preached from it a few times. The reality is I know the story. And at the end of it, it doesn't seem to work out too well with Jonah. Let me ask you a question. Who wrote the book? Now, there's no place that I can find and tell you that Jonah himself wrote it. I see some of my theologians down their head. They thought I was going to get off track there for a second. But Jonah had to tell him. Because I got news, there wasn't nobody else in that fish. What's the point, preacher? I know he sat under the tree. I know he was frustrated with the, with the aspect of, uh, of, of Nineveh experiencing the grace of God. He was mad at Nineveh. A lot of theologians tell us that most likely his dad was killed by the Ninevites, whoever they are. Right, somebody. Them folks. I don't know. But he was frustrated. Then he's frustrated God about the little tree that God provided for him. Then the tree, and you think, well, no, I think it left the story open. So you figure out what you're going to do with your life. But here's the point. Noah even got out of that situation. He didn't just get out of the belly of the fish. He got out of the palm tree wilting over his head because he told the story to somebody. What am I saying to you? You've already made a few mistakes. You might be in a mistake. And you may make some more mistakes, but God doesn't change. I said, but God does not change. He remains the same as he was yesterday, as he is today, and as he's going to be tomorrow. Amen. That's the God we serve. So what got Jonah to where verse 17 became a lesson to all of us? What got Jonah to where he had a testimony that, as far as I know, nobody else has? Stop and think about that for just a moment. Because you may be saying, and nobody's got it like I do, and you may be right. Nobody's in the situation I'm in, you may be right. Most people tell you, oh, there's somebody else. And, and the reality is, the only person I ever heard of living in the belly of a fish for three days and it was so real, Jesus used it as a reference point to his own life. I don't know what you're in right now. But I know the one. I know the only one. I know about him and I know of him and I know for you, he can set you free. He can get you out of the pit. He can get you out of the belly. Listen up. What got him there is most likely the same thing that got you to where you are or got you to where you've been. Or got you to where you were. Or will be what gets you to where you're going to be. Disobedience. Disobedience. And listen, it strains the relationship between parents. What do you think it would do between a Lord and a servant? You're not where you're supposed to be. I had the privilege this week to follow my sons around a golf course. Sad thing was I had clubs too. And I hit one that I saw bounce, but I didn't see splash. But when I got there, it didn't just bounce. It did what I couldn't see. It rolled. It rolled six inches into water. Penalty. 
rightly so. When there are 400 yards and 4,000 acres of grass to hit on, nobody should feel sorry for me that I put it into the water. I could have used a different club. I could have played a different course. I could have said, hey, dad's taking a mulligan. I mean, I could have done anything. I paid. I could have done anything. But you see, I was off the course. I was not where I was supposed to be. I was only, it didn't matter if I put it into 60 feet of water. My ball got the same penalty as if I put it way out of bounds. Jonah got himself in that situation. Now, it wasn't like Levi and Spencer, when I was playing one of the best rounds of my life, that they whispered to each other, watch him pull this one. He usually pulls it right around here. And I did. Now, that one I will blame on them. But this one I own. Disobedience of man. What got him out of this situation? The providence of God. Listen to me, friends. That's all that really matters in life. Whether you're being obedient or disobedient, he remains provident. He is a God of providence. Are you with me? He is a miracle working God. He is bigger than your situation. Watch this. And the one sitting next to you and the other side of you, in front of you and behind you. And even if you want to look beyond that, he's bigger than them all put together. Are you with me? He's able. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Can I just point out a New Testament truth to us here? That has been carried out through the Old Testament and lives in the New Testament. God will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemy. I don't care what hell you go through. I don't care what hardship you go through. I don't know what hole you find that you get into. But I'm here to tell you, God will prepare a way out for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, literally says, God will make a way of escape even in the midst of your temptation. Listen to me, friends. I'm not talking about in your mess. I'm talking about just in your temptation. He'll make a way of escape. You look around. Oh, I could tell you countless times. I'll get vulnerable with you. I could tell you countless times. I don't travel alone. It's been years since I travel alone. But I've gone to hotel rooms before, and I thought, well, I'll just see what's on TV. And then I go, oh, oh, he doesn't want me to watch TV right now. There's probably something on there that he doesn't want me to see. And then somebody walk in, hit the button, and it works. Turn it on for news the next morning. He will get in the way. He will make a way of escape for you. Oh, don't you love it when I get vulnerable? Gets you off the hook, doesn't it? I'm as human as anybody out here. And you need a good note today. You are too. You are too. This message is for you, not against you. This message is to help you. Now, the Lord prepared a great fish. He'll prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. Notice here, there was a woman in John chapter, a man in John chapter 5, who was healed by Jesus. And Jesus later found him in the temple. And this is what Jesus said to him. He said, Go and sin no more, lest a worse thing happen to you. Our disobedience creates our difficulties. 
It, it establishes the atmosphere that can bring chaos and trouble and despair and destruction, defeat, discouragement. But notice that Jesus made mention of that, but he also had healed him and cautioned him and said, go and sin no more. He was a provisional to tell him, stay on the path, stay there. Verse two, excuse me, chapter two, verse one. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. So God prepared the fish. God can use anything he wants to use. He can use anything he wants to use. It's up to you whether he can use anyone he wants to use. He prepared the fish. He said, get ready, bring us something your way. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, he prayed to the Lord from the fish's belly. He's in a dark place. He's in a lonely place. He's in a safe place. He didn't pray from the jaws of the fish. He prayed from the belly of the fish. But notice what it says. He prayed to and he prayed from. Listen to me. It's kind of like a letter. Gretchen shared a riddle this past week with the children. What can go all around the world and never leave the corner? A stamp. Some of you are saying, what's a stamp? I get you. <laughs> Grow up and you'll find out. It just takes time on some things. But listen, a letter has to be addressed to and it's best when it's dressed, addressed from, right? And so you need to learn to pray to God from where you are. Not try to be as God to where you are. It said, I cried out to the Lord because of my afflictions. And he answered me. Let me just say a few things. Affliction. It's a point of extreme suffering. It could be in health. It could be in finances. It could be in relationships. It could be addictions. It could be torments. It could be fears. Sometimes pain is good. One way that pain is always good, if it's really bad, is that it lets you know you're still alive. If you're still alive, there's still a hope. Amen? And so he's praying out of his afflictions. Perhaps this morning you find yourself in an afflicted time. It could be in your health. It could be in your wealth. It could be in the lack of wisdom. It could be in an addiction. It could be just a, a, a generational, a, a hereditary thing in your life. I don't know. But you're in affliction. You're in extreme suffering, which gives you pain physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally something that could affect you in that area. But notice this. He said, I cried out because of my affliction. Have you ever been in such an afflicted moment or such a, a tumultuous moment in your life that, that literally you can't hear yourself think? Yeah. Right? It's just buzzing around. Everything's going on and on and on. And you're, you're uncertain. You can't, you can't think clearly. You can't hear yourself think. You, you don't even know what to pray. But notice this next line. And he answered me. Well, can I tell you something about the God that we serve and the God we believe in? He is the God who answers prayer. 
No, no, you need to write this down somewhere. I didn't say he's the God who answers their prayer. And if he is the God to you that he answers their prayer, you need to find out how he becomes a God who answers your prayer. He's the God who answers prayer. Praise awaits you in Zion. God answers prayer. David said it over and over and over again. But the reason he's a God who answers prayer is two things. He's a God who hears and he's a God who cares. I want you to know something. God has an ear to hear you. He's waiting for your cry, not your curse, not your cuss out, not your, not your explanation, not your excuse. He's looking for your prayer of desperation. And he hears that kind of prayer. God has an ear. He would not have me standing in front of you uh, bringing this message to you if it wasn't for you. He wouldn't have somehow, someway gotten you here if it wasn't for you. God answers prayer because God hears our cry and God cares about our concerns. Write that down. The God who answers, the God who hears, and the God who cares. Matter of fact, Jeremiah said it this way. He spoke on the behalf of God. Call unto me. Listen to me. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't yet know. Using the situation when you don't know how you're going to get out of that situation, it's a pretty good uh, encouragement to go to the one who says, I'll answer you what you don't know. In other words, I'll tell you what you need to know. Look at that verse. Come on, stay with me. Call unto me and I will answer you. A lot of you have situations right now, you call and they won't pick up the phone. Some of you are getting calls that you won't pick up. He said, let's hook up with one another. Let's connect with one another. Dial into me. Call upon my name. Look at those scriptures. Try them and prove them and see if they're not true. He said, I'll answer you and show you what you don't know. I'll show you things you don't know yet. So you're in a situation you don't know what to do. That is the, that is the, the ring of your life to pick up the phone of heaven and call God. And he'll show you what you do not know. Listen to me. Hear me. You may be sitting pretty right now. You may be sitting good right now. Lying in bed, getting ready to go to, to sleep last night. And I, I brought a book that I've been reading about a man of faith and his ministry. And, and I've been reading through it. And I got to a certain point that was kind of personal there. And Gretchen rolls over and she's, I don't know that she's ever asked me like this before. She said, read to me. I thought it was in a pride and prejudice or something. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I was just like, what? But you need to understand the story I was in. I said, baby, I don't know if you want me to read this to you before I go to sleep here. This man has a son who's getting ready to go into the Vietnam War. And I can tell the way things are being said. He was, they were, it was all past tense that the man who's writing the book, the dad, is speaking to somebody who doesn't exist anymore. I said, I think he's going to die in the war. It was worse than that. Listen to me. It was worse than that. Death is death. But when the father realized he was attached to it, connected to it, there's something he could have done to prevent it and all these different things. No, 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 baby, I'm not reading you this one. What am I saying to you? You may be sitting pretty now, but don't zone this message out because this may be the message you need. Jonah thought what he went through was important enough to write it down so that generations, thousands of years could read it and hopefully learn something from it. 
I'm not wishing, hoping, God forbid, something bad or miserable to happen to your life. But bad things do happen in life. They do happen in life. And you have to know how to respond because reacting doesn't always work. He goes on, he says, and he, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Now, let's look at those two little lines there. One, the belly of Sheol. It literally means into the deep. That's what it literally translates to mean is into the deep. It could be into the depths of the earth. It could be into the depths of the sea. And we already find he's in the depths of the sea. How do we know it's a deep sea? It was a big fish. Big fish don't float around in baby pools. You know what I'm talking about? It's the depths of the earth, the depths of the sea. It's known as the place of the dead. That's what Sheol meant to them. The place of the dead. So let me just say this to you. Jonah, in his mind, and in his testament, you can't take that from him, he was as good as dead. He was as good as dead. He was in so deep. He had gone so low. That's what he's saying. And yet he said, and you still heard my voice? No, did you hear that? And you still heard my voice? He's tucked up in the rib cage of a big fish. There's, have you ever been, big fish have thick skin. Thick scales. Think of those big old fat cat catfish down there. Bottom dwellers. The last I checked, you can't hear very far underneath the water. And he still heard him. It doesn't matter how deep you are. It doesn't matter how far away you are. It doesn't matter how, how, how close to dead. You know, dead things don't make noises. He said, I'm as good as dead. And he heard me. I've got a message for somebody this morning. I don't know the distress that you're in. I don't know the trouble you found yourself in. I don't know the issues you're dealing with right now. I don't know what's lurking in your future. I don't know what's lurking in your past. But I'm here to tell you there's a God who can hear you if you cry out to him. And he will answer you and show you what you need to know. It also means the belly of Sheol. It also means the pit or the grave. Interesting. Just yesterday, I was walking around. I was singing that song, You Turn Graves in the Garden. I didn't call him up and say, do that Graves in the Gardens thing. But here we are. He is on sight to turn your grave into a garden, to turn your big fish, that swallowing mullet, to turn it into your launching pad to get out of your trouble. Oh, a good God we serve. So in other words... Jonah was good as dead. Verse three. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Well, let's just break this down a little bit. Who cast him into the sea? The sailors did. Sailors who had another God, sailors, sailors who were non-believers, remember they cast lots and the captain of the ship, he came down and he said, he said, sleeper, what are you doing? He said, wake up, arise and call on your God. They're trying any God they can. They're trying any God they can because there's a storm on the outside and they come to the conclusion and they didn't take a whole lot of conclusion. Watch this, this is interesting. Jonah realized, he said, it's because of me. 
We have a tendency to say it's because of her. It's because of him. It's because of that. It's because of this. It's because we always start putting our fingers somewhere. Here's the deal. The moment you start to blame, you take away the chance that you get to change. He can't do anything with you when you're pointing and directing it somewhere else. Oh, it's always something else. Always some good reason, some example, some excuse. Any employers in here, people employ people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anybody? You employ people? Raise your hand up. I know it's difficult. You're like, I don't know. People can come asking you for a job right after this. I get it. After this message, you might want them. But you know what it's like. They come in, some excuse, some reason. It worked for you for 30 years when you were in the business all by yourself, three years or whatever, and all of a sudden it doesn't work for them because they won't work. But they're going to blame it on something else. You can't do anything with that. What can you do? You can't cover what you can't correct. And, and the, the reality is Jonah did not blame somebody else. He knew that God used them to throw him out there to where he had a prepared place. Does that sound familiar? Not all prepared places are in heaven, but if one is not prepared on earth, he ain't going to a prepared place in heaven. God had to, pre- God had to prepare him for where he had intended for him to be. They threw him overboard. He didn't blame it on anybody else's because you have too much cargo, too much this. And, and here's some ungodly people that are doing everything they can to save this guy. He gets thrown over, gets thrown over. The sea stops, and guess what? They turn to God. They turn to God. So he's cast into the deep, into the depths of the sea. Notice this, this expression here. The floods surrounded me. Do you remember there were floods prior to this? There had not been any rain. But what did the floods come for? What did floods represent? Devastation, judgment, punishment, removal. He realizes I'm not just in the sea. I'm in the middle of the floods. I'm surrounded. I have every right to be judged for where I am. I have every right to be done with with him. I have every right. He has every right to remove me, not just off the ship, but off the face of this earth. And I got news for you. He has the right to remove all of us when we're living in disobedience. We're going to see what shows up in just a moment. Are you with me this morning? Death surrounded him is what he was saying. Verse four, he said, then I said, and notice here is all a recount of what he said. So therefore, again, after chapter four, we know that there had to be a chapter five in Jonah's life. Jonah obviously got out of that situation like he got out of this situation. But have you ever found that practice in your life? You keep returning to places that you're not supposed to be. But have you not yet found out that he's still faithful? We need to share that faithfulness to others. We need, that's, that's why we need to worship with, with great joy and with passionate love. That's why we need to press in God, to set an atmosphere saying, oh, oh, why do I worship that way? Oh, let me tell you what he forgave me of. Set up a moment. Prepare a moment for your testimony. And then he said, I have been cast out of your sight. You see, well, that sounds a little strong and, and a little harsh there. But remember what David said, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not cast me away from your presence. 
Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He's in this moment realizing I'm out of touch with God. As I said a few weeks ago, sometimes you have to use what you have to get what you need. He's saying God can't see me, but he sure can hear me. And so he's crying out for vision. Without a vision, people perish. God gave him a vision of a city of Nineveh, of great wickedness. Uh, but he, he, he even said he knew. He said, I knew that you would show them grace. I knew it. That's why I'm so mad at you. No, that was his vision. He knew it because he had a vision of it. But when you cast off the vision, you cast off the restraints that go with it. Notice what he says. Yet, I will look again toward your holy temple. Isn't that amazing? Worship this morning, we're talking about the veil and we're talking about looking into Jesus and, and looking into that direction. He, he, he said, I'm going to look one more time in your direction. In other words, it's a statement of, of repentance. I, I'm going to turn and look towards heaven from where comes my help. I'm going to lift up my head. And the glory and the lifter. I'm going to lift it up and, and allow the glory of God, the redemptive love of God to come and rescue me out of this pit, out of this belly. In 1 Kings chapter 8, I didn't give them this verse, but I want you to see this. It said they're trying to get the ark of, of his presence back to the temple. They're trying to get it back there. And if you can get the picture here, what God's really concerned with is, is, is not the prophet, He's not really concerned with the preacher. He's concerned with the person. Because the person is his temple. We're always thinking about the gold dome temple. We're always thinking about the, uh, the, the temple that God made and Moses made and everything. And that is a place where God dwells. But God really wants to dwell in us. And, and so he wants, he doesn't want the stuff out of Jonah as much as he wants Jonah out of the stuff. So God's already looking at him, and he turns to the temple so that they can encounter one another. Perhaps this morning, that's all you need to do is take one more look at your Savior. Maybe you're living life, and there's something that is bound in your life, and you've learned to walk with a limp and live with it. Maybe if you learned to walk with, with a, a, a memory that you've closed off and you've shut off because something so bad happened to you and it affected you and made you become who you are and where you are right now. You just keep tucking it away and tucking away, but you don't have freedom. You don't have freedom. He wants to set you free from the belly, from the trouble, from the hurt, from the pain. He wants to get you back into his presence. Listen to this. When there is a famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, when their enemy besieges them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness is there, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel. Did you hear that? Whatever prayer or supplication is made by anyone or all of the people of Israel. So it's not just a church thing. It's not just a people thing. It's a personal thing. 
He said, in the midst of these famines and pestilence and blights and mildews and locusts and grasshoppers and, and the enemy besieging you and, and sickness and plagues, he said, whatever prayer, supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart. Dear Jesus, I don't know how to convey this, especially in the Bible Belt. Especially in the Bible Belt. We need to know the plague of our heart. Again, Jonah's in this situation because Jonah got himself in this situation. It literally says that Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. You got to consider the direction you go when you leave here today. You're in praise and worship. Is it a check off? I've been there and now I can go my own way and I'll come back there. Or are you going to live in the presence of the Lord? It's your choice. He said, when everybody knows the plague of their heart, you can look at everything and blame it about the pestilence and the plague and the conditions in 2020 and all these different things, but what's going on here is what matters to him. Come on, somebody. You got to get this. The plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands towards the temple. We literally sang, I bow down. I went face down. I lift up my hands. This stuff is not just a style of worship. There is nowhere in the Bible that says David looked at his watch and praised God. Nowhere. But there's many places where he lifted his hands, where he bent his knees. And listen, this altar is wide open, man. You can come around time. And you're saying, well, some of those people, they lay into them. We'll pick them up, put them on stage. It doesn't matter. If there's no space, tap me on the shoulder. We'll drag them over to the side. You can come to the altar anytime you want to. Somebody say amen. amen. We're getting close to the end of this. Spreads out his hands towards his temple. Then here in heaven, your dwelling place, and forgive and act. Give to everyone according to all of his ways. A lot of people have experienced the forgiveness, but they've missed the act. In other words, they're still living in their mess, knowing they're forgiven, but the conditions haven't changed. You need an act of God. How many of y'all ever heard of that before, an act of God? And usually we talk about that when it's, when it's a, a, a terrible storm, right? Uh, listen, the one who can tear it down is the same one who said he can build it back up. No, you need to understand. He doesn't just tear down, he builds up. He doesn't just put you in something, he gets you out of something. Lord, help me. Your dwelling place, forgive and act and give everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know. For you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men. Listen to me. The most difficult part is already over. He knows your heart right now. He knows what's in your heart. He knows the pain. He knows the anger. He knows the fear. He knows the frustration. He knows it all. Don't let your heart live that way. It doesn't have to. He can set you free. He can forgive you. He can heal you. He can restore you. He can repair you. He can raise you up. He can make you who he meant for you to be. Your life isn't over. It's just beginning. The water surrounded me, even my soul. I can't cry anymore. I can't think anymore. The deep closed around me. I'm in so deep. Uh, weeds were wrapped around my head. Remember that golf ball I lost? Went in the water. I could see it six inches in. Went about to roll my pants because my feet were not going to come out with that, with that fungus, whatever was in that stuff. 
but I reached my putter down in there and, and I grabbed it and David said, he said, did you find it? I said, oh yeah. I said, but I've got weeds wrapped around my head. See, I'd already been in this scripture. I looked down at that putter and I thought, oh my goodness, is that what Jonah looked like? Looked like a, come on girls, a hot mess. He looked pitiful. In other words, what Jonah's saying, man, I've got seaweed. You think he's sitting inside of that little fish, you know, with this lounge chair in there up against a fin or something like that, chilling out and just kind of going out for a ride. Ah, no, 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 no. The man's wrapped in seaweed. Seaweed stinks, and I don't care what anybody tells you, it doesn't taste good to me. You can, whatever taste you want. He said, weeds were wrapped around my head. Oh, but one had a thorn on his. Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go, keep you longer than you ever expected, and cost you more than you could ever pay. You know, I shared a picture with you a few weeks ago. Come on, somebody, one more move, right? Leonardo da Vinci, anybody ever heard of him? Most people know the Mona Lisa, but what his most famous painting is, the Lord's Supper. And it took him years to paint it, years. And he went out and he found somebody that he looked for years, who's going to be the face of Jesus? And he found this really pure-looking, innocent, healthy, young, lively boy. And he called the boy in and he painted his face took him up to three years to find who was going to be Judas Iscariot because Jesus had to be the light of the world and, and Judas had to portray darkness, abyss, trouble, wrapped in seaweed. And so he looked and he looked and he looked and he looked and he looked. And then at a wine bar, he saw a wino. And I was a face, and he said, hey, he said, he said, I will pay you to be my model, to sit down, and, and, and I will paint you. Not knowing what he would do with the money, but he, he still offered it. And the guy said, you don't remember me? I'm the guy you used to paint the face of Jesus. Three years earlier, sin will destroy you. Sin will destroy you. Not just the commission of sin, but the omittance of not doing what God's called you to do. He's living in disobedience. He's a hot mess. Call it whatever you want. He's being destroyed. He's fading away. He's dying. It's eating away at him. Andrew, if you'd join me, please. He said, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. You can't go any deeper, as low as you can go. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. And maybe he heard the sound of that big fish go, <laughs> closed it up and shut him up. Friends, there's a picture of eternal separation from God. He said, the bars of earth, he said, I'm, I'm in prison. I'm locked up. I can't go any lower. I'm in trouble. This is where I'm at. This is the real of the situation in my life. And he tags on forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, oh Lord God. Uh, listen, he wasn't saying God can do it. 
He wasn't saying, this is going to be a cool moment. He's standing there saying, that's where I was, and I'm not there anymore. He raised me up. He lifted me up. He resurrected me. He gave me life. He got me out of the pit. He got me out of the belly. He got me out of the seaweed. He got me out of the sting. He got me out of death. He got me out of the moorings of the earth. He got me out of the pit of the earth, and he delivered me, and he brought me up, and he set my feet on a solid rock, and I got a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Whether it's a miry pit or a stinking belly, it don't matter. God can raise you up. He took Jesus from deeper than that and raised him up so you can live a resurrected life. You don't have to be bound to it anymore. You don't have to be troubled. You don't have to fear it when it comes because you got an answer how you'll respond when it comes back to you. I don't know what's knocking on your door right now. I don't know what you're trying to sleep off right now. I don't know what you're trying to hide from. Remember, he went into the lowest place of that ship to try to get away from it, to sleep it, because he was still running, friends. You don't have to run anymore. All you need to do is cry today. All you need to do is shout today. All you need to do is look to heaven today. And you have a Savior. How do I know? Because I gave my soul to the devil in the 1980s. Because I made an exchange. I made a commitment to the devil. But yet my God was greater. But yet my God heard me in that bunk bed. But yet my God heard me when I was broke and destitute. But yet my God heard us when we were $15,000 in debt the day we got married. And I didn't tell her until after we got married. She didn't turn against me. She turned with me. And we called on the same Lord. And we said, well, oh, there was no Dave Ramsey for us. There wasn't anything like that. Those are good things. They're like fishes to get you out of debt, friends. But God is yet still greater. And he can resurrect you out of whatever it is you're facing. Oh, the Lord, my God, he said. Oh, Lord, my God, he said. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Friends, when your soul faints, faith comes alive. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols, listen to this, forsake their mercy. Oh, no, you got to get a picture. Your mercy is Jesus. He's new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Notice their mercy is capitalized. It's the influence of God's grace. It's the inspiration of God moving. Listen to me. His mercy is here right now. You don't have to get what you deserve. He can get you out of what you got yourself into, what you can't get yourself out of. He can do it. That's who he is. He can heal your family. He can restore your finances. He can return your faith. He can make you brand new again. Stop blaming it on this. Stop pointing it on that. Allow where God has put you somehow today. He picked you up by the belt of your pants, by the loops of your shorts, and he brought you in here and he shuts you down. He took you by the collar and he placed you here today. He's saying, I am the Lord thy God and I can set you free. Mercy as you stand to your feet. But I will sacrifice to you the voice. Do you remember who you were? I remember who I was. Do you remember where you were? I remember where I was. It stunk. One of the greatest joys of my life here at the well was in the early years. We're still connected to, to the rock. And the Lord spoke in the middle of the sermon fragments 12 bushels of fragments 
And the Lord said, tell people to bring their fragments for the next month. Go get your second shovel. Go get that extra blanket and, and have a yard sale and start a thrift store, 12 bushels. Our fragments can be their feast. Our fragments can be their furnishings. Our fragments can become what they need. We thought we'd start, and we started over here in a little uh, uh, car wash place over here. Realized it didn't take long. We're, we're outgrowing this. Looked across the street, and everybody said, that's a God-forbidden place. That was the honky-tonk of Scottsboro. That place was a dive. Oh, Sheriff Rocky can tell you a story or two. Major Godfrey can tell you four or five. And they've told me a few. I had no more fun than to walk in and smell that stale beer, that dried up alcohol, that sticky floor. I had no more fun taking that sledgehammer and busting down that bar where people used to get their beer served to them, their whiskey served to them, kicking around. I scooted a few boot scoots out in the middle of the floor, dancing in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I remember where I was. Because if I grew up in Scottsboro, that's where you would have seen me. That's where I would have been. If you would have come to Naples, Florida, that's where you would have found me. In the dive, in the deeps, in the throes, in the pits, in the filth, and the stink. He can do to you what we did to that building. But I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanks. Do you not have something to thank him for? Listen, this is where it gets important. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is the Lord. In other words, there's some things in this story, Pastor Matt, that Jonah didn't want to tell us. There's a few things he thought, that's really not necessary. The Holy Spirit said they don't need to know that because they got their own vows to pay. Because if they don't, they'll try to pay yours and yours won't work for them. How many times have you said, I'll give you all my heart? Here's one. How many times you said, I'll go to church other than just Christmas and Easter? Uh, come on. How many times did you say something to him in the depths of your throes, of your difficulties, when you're defeated, you're seemingly destroyed, you're good, as good as dead, and then you prayed that prayer, and man, it felt so good. But then he got you out, and you're like, mm, maybe he doesn't remember what I said. You're better off to not make a vow than to not pay a vow. You may not even be remember, able to remember when you're 17, 10, 37. You made that vow to the Lord. You can have it all. All of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my, you can have it all. I will serve you no matter what. Time to pay up. Salvation is of the Lord. Your vow didn't save you. Salvation is of the Lord. You don't owe him anything, but you ought to bring him everything. I love this part. So the Lord spoke to the fish. Call me crazy all you want. My God's done crazier. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That's an interesting picture. It vomited Jonah. 
Even Jonah's sin was making the fish sick. You think it's a fish making you stink. It's us making the fish upset. Vomited Jonah. Did not vomit. Vomited Jonah. Slung him through the air out of the deep water. Could you imagine that ride? We take slides into water. He's taking one out of the water. You won't talk about being cast. Think about being vomited. Spews him out. Shoots him through the depths of the water. Do you know how heavy water is? Do you know how heavy water is? The density? He's in the depths. And he comes out. And he lands on dry ground. Listen, he's not on the shore up there playing with the waves. Big fish don't come up there. He's out in the deep. It don't matter how far. It does not matter how far away you are from God. How far away you are from stability. From being out of the deep things and the troubling things. Could be mental. Could be spiritual. Could be emotional. Could be physical. Could be temporal things. Stop blaming somebody else. And allow God to pick you up. Why don't you take a moment... So I'm going to ask you to do. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Just for a moment. Go to the Lord concerning your situation, your trial, your tribulation, the conditions, the circumstances you're finding yourself in. Come on now, mentally. I can, I can tell some people are wrestling with mental things right now. Wouldn't peace feel good right now? <laughs> Wouldn't joy be good right now? Wouldn't love be the best answer? Wouldn't gentleness be so pleasant right now? If you have need of the Lord to pick you up, I'm going to ask you just to do something. Step out where you are and stand here for just a moment. Out out of whatever situation, circumstance, difficulties, I want you to step out and stand up here. Be patient with us for just a moment. Just gonna pray a prayer. Gonna come to me. Just stand up here for just a moment. This is why we exist. Jesus came. Not just so you could be saved, but so he could destroy the works of the devil. And he can heal you of bad decisions uncontrollable circumstances. Come on, come on, come on. There may be a few more. Come on a little bit closer if you don't mind. Just a step, half step or so. Thank you. Thank you for making the trek down here. It's not easy. Not easy to step out of where you were. He said, come unto me, all of you, any of you who are weary, tired, heavy laden, troubled, facing hardships in over your head. He said, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Cast your cares upon me, 
because I care for you. Rest in me. Wait upon me. Trust me. I'm good. I'm faithful. I'm capable. I'm able. I'm willing. This is what I do. History says this is what I've done. Therefore, it screams this is what I do. I'll make you the head, not the tail. Take you from the bottom and put you on the top. That what's been lost, broken, stolen, even things forgotten, I'll restore them to you. I am for you. I am not against you because I am the God who hears. I am the God who answers because I am the God who cares. Won't you just lift your hands for a moment? Father, we position ourselves this morning to shoot out of the mouth of the belly of whatever has us trapped right now. Thank you for preparing this moment. Thank you for preparing this message. Thank you for bringing us hope this morning. And I thank you for the peace that's going to abide and the joy that's going to be fulfilled. And I'm asking right now that you would hear our cry, that you would recognize and discern our situation, and that you would speak to that which holdings, holds us to that which is keeping us, you would speak to it and command it to loose us. And I speak freedom. I speak release. And I speak restoration over your life. Let what begins in this altar remind you that he is faithful to finish the good work which he has started. Lord, Pray this with me. Lord, forgive me of any disobedience in my life that has led me to situations that are binding me. And I ask you today to take me by the hand because you already got me by the heart and get me out of this situation. I believe for freedom today. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say it like you mean it. Amen. Amen. Come on. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the Word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God himself. And I thank you for the word that has been heard. I thank you for the word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.